Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Welcome to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Joining us now is Reagan Miller. She is in Tampa, Florida. She is a director of development for the Florida Freedom to Read Project, who, uh, and they keep an eye on this kind of a abuse of the new law. First of all, I supported the new law. I'm sure you read that in the Newsweek magazine article. I, I did believe that the state has an obligation to protect school children from crazy far-left zealots. Uh, who want to bring these materials into the classroom. I support that. But now we have crazy far-right zealots who want to do the Nazi thing and drag all these books out of the classroom. But I can't figure out why you would pick killing Jesus and killing Reagan. Any idea? Right. No, I have a good idea. Um, you know, as you referenced, House Bill 1069 came out, was signed into law. And, um, you know, this this particular school district, Escambia County, is, is a very conservative school district. And there was a in June, they had an emergency order that said, hey, we're going to look, we're going to go ahead with pressure from the community. Because if you look at this particular county, one of the most, um, they have more challenges than many counties around the state. And it's from one particular individual. And so, you know, they took the more conservative approach that we're going to look through our whole, you know, all of our libraries, which is fine. Um, but what they, you know, then did is this Department of Education, as you referenced, um, Governor DeSantis, um, they came out and issued a memorandum on October 13th, 2023, to all the school districts and said that any materials in a classroom made available in a school or classroom library or included on a reading list may not contain content that depicts or describes sexual conduct. And so this, so um, Escambia County went further and said, okay, and as we're reviewing this, we want you to go through your entire library. And let's keep in mind that the libraries were completely closed when the school year started. And they said, 
go through, pull, you know, different um, review sources like um, Goodreads or Amazon, you know, crowdsource book reviews, and if books have sexual conduct in them, then let's pull them for further review. And that's how all of these books, including your books, were pulled for further review. So, you know, we have 1,600 unique titles that were pulled, and so far only 100 have made it back on the shelves. Okay, but so, well, let me stop you there. Sure. There's no sexual content in either Killing Jesus or Killing Reagan. There's no descriptions, there's nothing about it. It's not even close. So what is this really all about? Is it politics? They don't like the books? What? Um, so I, if you look at this, if you look at how this checklist reads, it says go to, like in Goodreads, we were able to very easily pull up that it says in your book, Killing Reagan, for example, that he likes his feet rubbed and extramarital affairs. And that potentially meets the definition of sexual conduct. But that's, that is in stone history. That, that's history. Correct. That would be like saying you can't have a book on Henry VIII because he had eight wives. Well, right? you saw they pulled, they pulled the dictionary in the same county. I know that. But right. here, it, it's straight down the line. Ronald Reagan had a few extramarital affairs when he was married right. to Jane Wyman. All right, but mm -hmm. there was no description of that, other than, I guess, the feet thing, but that's, come on. Um, and then Killing Jesus, uh, somebody said to me, well, it was because you described Mary Magdalene as working right. in, a, in a town that featured a lot of brothels. Again, that's history. Is that what and, it was? Well, they, well, that's what we believe based on the reviews that we saw. But you, you know, our Department of Education has sent out media specialist training, and what they've told them is to err on the side of caution. So I believe that's what's happening in this case. They're erring on the side of caution. But then everybody, you couldn't have any history book. There'd be no uh, history I, books. You and I are on the same side. Like, but I are, agree you, with are you of the fact, are you of the opinion, <laughs> excuse me, are you of the opinion that this law should be repealed altogether? Because I am calling for the law to be far more specific. I would like the Department of Education to issue additional clarification. So, yes, I mean, we agree that things that are harmful to minors absolutely do not belong um, in our yeah. schools. Okay, good. I'm glad. That's, I mean, my books are not like, harmful to minors in any way, shape, or form. Now, here, here's an interesting question Why not review the books, but don't haul them off the shelves? I mean, just keep them on the shelves. Then you do your review. And if there's something right. in there that's objectionable, you explain to the people of the county what's objectionable and why you're taking it off. Not just take it off first. That's insane. I mean, I, I personally agree with you. I would like to see books stay on the shelves, but I think that this is, you know, I think this is a significant cost to the districts. I think it's a waste of time, resources, um, you know, to even really conduct this review. And they're going to lose in court. They're going to lose. Um, in oh, the, federal, the court. federal court case, yes. And, and they're going to have to pay all of those legal fees, state of Florida mm -hmm. will, and they're going to lose, and they're going to be embarrassed. Final question, do you know DeSantis at all? I, I mean, I, as I said, I didn't think he was going to do anything. He's not that kind of guy. 
He's like, right. my way or the highway, and I sign the bill, so everything in the bill is fine. He's, he's not a reasonable guy, in my opinion, all right? Right. But were you surprised that he did that? That he wouldn't take, wouldn't comment on it? All he has to do is go, you know, it's a little bit, little bit much. So we're going to tweak our policy here. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the logical thing to do? Yes, that would absolutely be the logical thing to do. So are you surprised he didn't do it? No. Why? Uh, he has a history of doing that. You think he's a totalitarian? <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to call him names, but, you know, I, I. Well, this is what I, they do in totalitarian countries. That's what they do. They haul off any, any books they don't like. Um, and they, you know, I'm just shocked about the whole thing. Okay. If people want to help you follow the freedom to read project, uh, how can they, uh, get with you, Reagan? Oh yes, please check out our website. It's fftrp.org or follow us on social media at flfreedomread. Um, and we would love to hear your feedback, what you're hearing, you know, in your counties, districts, and, you know, let us know your thoughts. All right, Reagan. Thanks very much. We appreciate it very much. You're listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was bringing another point of view. Uh, Dr. Bob Beatty teaches political science. He's the chairman of the department at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, from where he joins us now. All right, my analysis, do you differ anywhere from it? Not really. I, I think you're, you're right about DeSantis. Uh, he had... He had a, a chance to make this a, a really interesting race. Obviously, he could have captured uh, some MAGA people. He could have captured evangelicals. And I went up to Iowa to check him out right away because he, he had a lot of buzz. And um, he's not a great campaigner. Uh, his smile is more of a grimace and all that kind of thing. Uh, he brought his wife, and I think that was pretty pointed because she actually was more popular at some of the events. And uh, he just didn't connect with Iowans, but that happens. That's what Iowa does. Fred Thompson, that same thing happened to Fred Thompson. Scott Walker was the big one. Uh, both of them didn't connect with Iowans. So I think it's a little surprising that there was this opening and he never was able to capture. I was also surprised that Nikki Haley um, wasn't able to continue with sort of the momentum she had. She could have done better. Uh, there are more moderate Republicans in Iowa uh, than showed up. The turnout was low. I know the, the weather wasn't good, but the Iowans kept telling us we're Iowans. We don't care. And I kind of believe them. So those moderate Republicans, those suburban Republicans, they're probably for her. Uh, and they decided not to caucus. Um, so I was a little surprised. I kind of thought she might get, was going to get second. Okay. But it really doesn't matter for Nikki Haley because Iowa was never going to be her um, stand. 
It was always going to be New Hampshire. And Haley didn't spend that much money. She marshaled her money um, for New Hampshire and South Carolina. I don't think Haley comes out of Iowa damaged. Do you? I think a little bit. I, I think at the end there, um, there was the thought that she could get second. And, you know, the expectations game, you get a lot more uh, attention. You get a lot more momentum and buzz. Uh, saying, hey, we, we came in second, we're moving on New Hampshire. I think it dulled a little bit uh, her momentum going into New Hampshire. Rick Santorum, of course, famously didn't get the benefit of a victory on, on uh, Iowa caucus night. And he's, I don't know if he's right, but he always argued that really hurt me. She just didn't get to go up there and say, you know, we got second. So I, I, I think uh, maybe they shouldn't have been uh, expecting to do it, but I got the sense that um, the Haley campaign and, and and the media was sort of poised for this as well to, to, to yeah, make a big they deal. Were. Yeah, sure, yeah. but as a, an analyst like you are, I never thought Nikki Haley was going to get the MAGA people to consider her. No. Okay? No. No, she, no. And she divided the vote with DeSantis, the anti-Trump vote. And so I knew that the, no, nobody was, you know, it's going to be equal in this and that. Now, on to uh, New Hampshire. So this becomes more of a media play than an actual um, discernment of what Republicans in New Hampshire want. Correct? That's correct. I mean, in some ways, New Hampshire's more like maybe a general election because yeah. uh, as you're right you have independents you have democrats saying hey let's we can get in on this right there's no uh there's uh, no democratic primary i, so, I just yeah. want to make one quick point biden's not on the ballot biden That's didn't right. even file okay so there's nobody to vote for except republicans um yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry there, there is a second i can't even remember the guy's name he's a congressman uh, run, running against yeah. yeah, Dean Phillips. Right. Yeah. But Biden's not even on the ballot. So, you know, when you look at New Hampshire, and this is not going to be framed by the press at all, it's not really a Republican primary there. It's I hate Trump or I love Trump. That's it. it it's an open primary. That's right. Uh, there used to be more open primaries. And of course, John McCain loved open primaries. Uh, and it's but it's, it fits into Haley's entire argument that she she can beat Biden easily, and but it doesn't help her in a Republican primary race, especially on Super Tuesday with a bunch of Southern states. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. How much does New Hampshire really help her? She, uh, she I would say she needs to win, and even then, it's kind of tainted because. Again, it's not really a Republican primary. Yeah, I don't think she's going to win. I think she'll be close. But you know, uh, doctor, that even if she's close, the press is going to run wild with it. And I'm not sure the press helps um, Biden and the anti-Trump people anymore because the trust in the American media is so low. And it actually, the more they hate Trump, the stronger Trump gets. And so Haley goes down to our home state of South Carolina. And I said last night on News Nation, when Haley left South Carolina and the governorship there, she was not that popular. She did a lot of good things to the state, bringing Boeing in, creating jobs and infrastructure. But there wasn't a lot of tears when she walked out of Columbia, South Carolina. 
And so if people think that she's a hometown gal going to overwhelm Trump in a MAGA state, they're in they're delusional. Trump will win South Carolina. Well, well, yeah, but how ironic is it that uh, DeSantis is keeping his campaign alive? Yeah, that's it. By going to South Carolina. Uh, so so Haley's going to go to New Hampshire. And if she does well there, then she's got to go. It sounds like it could be a good thing. Oh, great. Go to your home state. No, DeSantis is, is very likely could be more popular than Haley in South Carolina. And that you would think that would spell the end. That, of that would sink Haley. That would absolutely sink her. That's why the Wall Street Journal called today for DeSantis to get out. They don't want him hurting Haley against Trump. Last word. Well, I, I actually, I, I'll stick with what I was saying. I thought, that, first of all, less than 5% chance, which is not great that DeSantis or Haley would, would somehow defeat Trump. But of that 5%, I thought the only real chance for Haley was to come in second in Iowa and do better than she did. And she spent uh, $37 million in TV ads, was there quite a bit, and she still could not get those uh, non-Trump voters that she needed to show up. That's a good point. Thank you, Dr. Really appreciate it. Say hello to everybody at Washburn for me. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Uh, down ticket races, just so you know, next November, all house seats are up. Okay including my district, the third, the George Santos district. And we're going to have the Republican uh, candidate uh, on in about 45 seconds. 33 Senate seats, enough to obviously tilt uh, the Senate one way or the other. Okay, so that is on the ballot in November. So her name is Mozzie Pillip. I think I'm saying that correctly. 44 years old, born in Ethiopia into poverty. She was part of the amazing Operation Solomon in 1991, where the state of Israel repatriated, at Israel's expense, uh, Ethiopian Jews, moved them to Israel to live. 14,000 of them. And Miss Pillip was part of that crew. So she was raised in Israel, became a member of the Defense Force, because all people do have to serve in Israel. And in 2005, she uh, emigrated to the United States legally, uh, settled in Great Neck, New York, uh, on the North Shore of Long Island. Um, Her husband is a cardiologist. She has seven children. Okay, so she is running against Tom Swazi, who we had on this broadcast last week. He's a Democrat, and Ms. Pillip is a Republican. She joins us now from Westbury, Long Island, where I went to St. Bridget's School. Uh, I know it well. First question, and we appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on. Why did you switch from being a Democrat to a Republican? Hi, Bill. Nice to be in your show. Uh, Very simple. When I came to this country as a like other uh, immigrants, I registered as a Democrat. But uh, with the years, the Democratic Party left me and so many others. And uh, I saw that the Republican Party sharing the same values uh, that I have. Therefore, I have been uh, you know, Republican. I got elected about two years ago as a county legislator uh, as a Republican. 
and I got reelected about two months ago for the same seat uh, for the county legislative seat. All right, give me one example of a value that Republicans have, that Democrats don't, that influence your thinking to change. Yeah, the Republican Party care about this country, and I care about this country. My husband and I immigrated to this country. Uh, we are living the American dream. We own this country. Uh, the Republican Party want to secure our country, our borders. Uh, and as a mother of seven children, I care about of this, about this, uh, the future of our children. And uh, you know, as a mother, as a parent, you always worry about your children. I don't have to tell you the amount of illegal immigrants coming to this country and the amount of drugs coming from the borders. I am afraid. I'm afraid, you know, they, they're going to find themselves doing things with crime and drugs. Uh, the Republican Party want to secure our borders, and I support that. And the Republican Party want to support our law enforcement. I salute for that. As a person who grew up in Ethiopia, when law enforcement wasn't existing in my time, uh, I want to make sure my children are growing in this beautiful country with strong law enforcement. Uh, those are, you know, the issues that I related with Republican Party. Uh, Republican Party is all about work hard. You can accomplish anything you want. They okay. want to improve our economy. Self, I am an example of an immigrant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, certainly you are an example and a good one of someone who came to this country legally and has contributed to the country. And I, and I think Tom Swazi would agree with that. Your opponent, who I've known for decades. Um, Israel, do you think they're handling this fight against Hamas correctly? Israel? Yes. Yes, absolutely correctly. Israel was uh, viciously attacked by a terrorist organization on October 7th that we all saw what happened to civilians and babies, uh, children, elderly got killed viciously by this terrorist organization. My family member still live in Israel. I was a soldier. Uh, I feel the pain. It, is, it was shocking for me to see the vicious attack of Hamas on Israel. Uh, and Hamas is the one who broke the, the ceasefire. Hamas who started this war. And Israel has the obligation to protect his civilians. So Israel is doing great. And there's no other choice. We just have to make sure Hamas is not going to be able to exist ever again. Okay, the expense of that, though, is innocent civilians, people with nothing, uh, yeah. being killed, killed and displaced. And, you know, that's war. We know that. But uh, there are arguments that Israel might be more tactical in the way it confronts Hamas, tries to destroy Hamas, to try to limit the civilian damage. How do you reply to that? Very simple. As a, as a soldier who served in the Israeli IDF, uh, Israeli army, I can tell you, Israel don't want to kill civilians. It has been clear for years. For years, Israel trying to prevent, avoid this. Unfortunately, this terrorist organization using its own people, civilians, as human shield. Do you feel bad Adi? for those, though? The, 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 the people have no power Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I feel bad for them, but I understand I feel, what, what Hamas is doing. Everybody understands what Hamas is doing. I, I, I absolutely felt bad. Of course, I'm a mother. I feel the pain. 
But look what happened on the other side. The own leaders, the own leaders putting the, their people life in the front. They don't care. For them, is anything know. they can use to destroy Israel, they will use it. You know, every time Israel, before they're attacking, they're sending letters in Arabic, writing, please leave the building. Please leave the building. We are about to attack. Give me an army that in the world that acting the way Israeli army is acting, trying to do everything in their power to prevent civilian casualty every time. But when you are dealing with a terrorist organization like Hamas, unfortunately, civilians will continue to suffer and the best things for them to happen, for Hamas to go away. So finally, the Palestinian people will have a normal life. Yeah, but right that, now, you, you know, they are not going to have. Ms. Pillup, they're not going to go away. They're going to always be there. You, you have to degrade them like we did with ISIS and Al-Qaeda, but they're going away. Final question for you. New York State, obviously been good to you. Um, I know where you live. You live in a nice area, and uh, people over there are very aware. Uh, a lot of immigrants uh, where you live in Great Neck. Um, but hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers, um, mostly hardworking, taxpaying people, leaving this state, getting out of here, is going to get worse and worse and worse. Why do you think that's happening? Uh it is unfortunate. Unfortunately, extreme policies in New York uh, really keep taking away the quality of life of so many people here in New York. And I don't blame the one who's uh, living. Think about this. We have immigrants who are coming from the borders without anybody's checking if they are uh, dealing with drugs, if bringing drugs, if they are terrorists, we don't the, the criminals, we don't know nothing. They're coming in, okay? And then we also have a deep funding, uh, the police movement, that taking away every power as possible from law enforcement. A total chaos. Parents, people very worried about their safety. And it makes sense. Of course, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be worried about my safety and my children's safety if the governor and the people we elected is not there to protect us. Instead yeah, of being the, tough on crime, they you are, the, you know, the, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, you got the crazy taxes on top of it. I mean, um, Yesterday, the, and sure you know this, the budget was passed, Hochul, Kathy Hochul, the governor's budget was passed, and there's another uh, $3 billion for just New York to pay for the welfare of the migrants. Well, where is that money coming from? We already have a deficit. That, that means they got to pile on more tax, to more tax, to more tax, to more tax. And that's another reason people are gone. Um, exactly. They keep hurting the middle class families. Well, and that is a big problem. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Ms. Phillip, we wish you the best. Um, we're going to follow the race very closely. You're welcome here anytime. If you want to talk to something uh, about something, it should be a very fascinating race in November. And uh, if you win, I, I, you know, I want you to be nice to us here in the third district, because after that Santos rat, we need a good representatives here. Okay. You're thanks right, Bill. On. The February 13th is the election. I'm very excited. Thank you very much for sure, having thanks me. Thanks for coming on. Here's a gem from the No Spin News Vault. Okay, so um, a new House committee, subcommittee, has been created to investigate the FBI and the weaponization of the federal government in politics. Select subcommittee headed by Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, as you know, 
Um, the subcommittee, they say, will be granted access to the highest levels of the FBI and CIA, get their records, and issue subpoenas to find out if they interfered with the presidential elections of 16 and 20, which they did. We already know that. But now we're going to get data, I guess. I guess. I'm not sure. The subcommittee uh, will include 13 Republicans, five Democrats. And uh, House Speaker McCarthy is in charge of appointing who's going to be on that. But they know that Jordan will handle it. Now, all of this is good because I was on a Hannity uh, radio program today and I talked about this. We talked about it, Hannity and I, about how the FBI has been corrupted. And it's the most powerful law organization in the world. And, and it's corrupt now. And I, there's no doubt that it is. Um, and I, so I asked my staff, find somebody who knows all about this. And we came up with a man named Thomas Baker. He's got a brand new book, The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. He uh, was a special agent for the FBI for 33 years. He joins us now from Colorado. So, Mr. Baker, thank you for helping us out tonight. And, I mean, it, the question is simple. I don't think there's any doubt the FBI interfered um, with the 16 election on Russian collusion. And then again in 20 with the Twitter situation, they were trying to suppress stories, the Bureau was, uh, with the social media companies. But who's behind this? What is happening there? Do you know? This began, Bill, uh, was caused by Robert Mueller, where he was directed, creating a cultural change in the FBI. And it was exacerbated by the poor leadership, terribly poor leadership of James Comey. All right. So the first name you mentioned, who was that again? Robert Mueller. When he was directed, okay. he became directed just a few days before the September 11th attacks. Correct. So and you now, say you say Robert Mueller, OK, as director of the FBI throughout the 9-11 years, OK, corrupted the FBI. Number one, how did he do that? He, he set about, and he said he was doing this, to change the culture from a law enforcement organization to an intelligence-driven organization. That had a lot of unintended consequences. Basically, in a law enforcement organization, you exist, you live. The mindset is every day to go forward to that day. And that day comes when you raise your right hand, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's quite different than an intelligence agency which their tool is deceit, deception, they deal in estimates, best guesses. He changed that culture inside the FBI. He created the environment situation where these very specific abuses, one or two which you alluded right. to, were allowed to take place. Now that makes perfect sense to me. So after 9-11, it goes into a domestic intelligence agency like the CIA is a foreign intelligence agency instead of concentrating on its mandate of law enforcement. That makes perfect sense. So in the process of that transition that Mueller is overseeing, is he hiring ideologues like Comey and McCabe and all these people that surface to try to defeat Donald Trump? Did he hire those people specifically because he knew they were left-wing people or Democratic people? Not exactly, but those who got ahead were those who came up on that, on that, uh, on that intelligence side of the House. 
and he, he changed changed the way cases were managed. He did the, what the CIA does. He drew it, drew it all in headquarters. Traditionally, in the FBI, cases were managed from the field, and there were levels of review, field agent, then the field supervisor, then the agent in charge, and finally headquarters had some oversight. What Mueller did with the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the Russian collusion uh, fiasco, he brought them into headquarters, and that, that continued um, very much uh, to the present day. And that's, Yeah, that's I mean, look, okay, so... They, uh, brass at the FBI was calling you shots, but it still doesn't explain why a person like Hillary Clinton, who obviously broke the law by having classified information on her personal cell phone, there was no doubt about that. All right, and the FBI actually had to say it to the American people, but then it said, well, she didn't really know, she didn't do it on purpose. Prosecutors wouldn't bring this case, which was a political decision, correct? But why did they want to cover for Hillary Clinton? That was that was James Comey and his poor leadership, and he specifically did that. And I know from people I'm talking to, the New York office and elsewhere, they were very upset with that decision at the time. But that was Comey, served the role of, of Department of Justice, of the U.S. Attorney, and ultimately of the Attorney General in doing that. He was he was just his poor leadership exacerbated cultural bad cultural change that Robert Mueller had started. Okay. But Comey would have to favor the left. And, you know, Trump had a chance to fire Comey and didn't. Um, but he, he obviously was favoring the left. I mean, that's what these FISA warrants on the bogus uh, information on Russian collusion. That was what it was all about. And then it didn't stop, even though the right wing and the conservatives and Trump himself attacked the FBI. The FBI still injected itself into the 2020 election by going to Twitter. And this is from Elon Musk and basically telling Twitter, don't run anti-Biden stories. I mean, they, they, they seem to be they seem to be emboldened, even though they were exposed. Well, that was potentially that's one of the most outrageous things of all. And the people on the left, as well as the right, should be outraged about it. That that really violates the whole spirit and intent of the First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of speech. The FBI and the federal government is forbidden from interfering with people's yeah. freedom of speech. Well, now that's why we have private entity to do it. Absolutely. That's why we have now all of this. What drives me crazy is when uh, you get the FBI chief. Uh, the present guy going into Congress and won't answer any questions. I mean, he just won't answer them. Oh, there's an investigation here, and I can't really answer that. I mean, and then, you know, he walks back, and Merrick Garland's not going to do anything to him. No, what, what happened, and you're referring to uh, Chris Ray. but every time that one of these things have come to the surface, going back to the Russian collusion and two or three other instances over the last three or four years, he has always said, ultimately, to Congress and others, that the the discreets, uh, uh, the bad apples, have been fired. And what he's failed to do, in, in my mind, in the mind of many of us, he's failed to look at the underlying reason why this keeps happening, why we keep having this problem with the FBI. And it's because of this fundamental cultural change. And the only way you're going to reform the FBI 
change the culture. And that can be done. Sure, that can be done. But I don't believe Ray. Ray. Ray had to know that his agents were going to Silicon Valley uh, on a regular basis because they actually paid um, Twitter three million dollars. OK, for what I don't know, but we'll find out. But Ray had to know they were doing that. He, he had to get a report from those field agents out there. So Ray's just not telling the truth. Well, or they're so deeply into this. And I, I've spoken, I spoke just a few weeks ago to a young woman, a very nice young woman, who's an analyst for the FBI. They just quite can't see that this manipulation Twitter is actually violating the free speech of Americans. They said they were trying to uh, prevent monkey business in the election by the Russians, but most of the people, almost all of the people whose speech they censored were Americans or American organizations, uh, censored or, or, or shadow banned. And yeah. Fact- well, look, it's got to come to an end. I hope those House subcommittees can do it. I'm not sure they can or not. I know the FBI is not going to answer any questions about anything. They're going to come in there, either take the fifth or say, I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, maybe they'll get a few whistleblowers. You know, I, I just want to make one further comment. I wrote a book called Killing the Mob, and the same thing happened with J. Edgar Hoover. Hoover then changed the uh, FBI from a crime-fighting organization, that's the way it started, chasing the bank robbers in the 30s, into an anti-communist organization that got involved in all kinds of politics, and Hoover did all kinds of illegal things to get dirt on people like Martin Luther King and presidents, every president. Hoover had dirt on them, which is why he kept his job. So the FBI abuses aren't new. I mean, this was an organization that was corrupted by its original director, J. Edgar Hoover, and now we're right back to where we were when Hoover died, and then it cleaned itself up when you were there, in the beginning of when you were there. Okay, so history has repeated itself. Last word. Well, and hopefully it will repeat itself again. What happened back then is we had the church committee and the pipe committee, and they laid out a whole series of reforms, FISA, and within the DOJ and the FBI, we had the attorney general guidelines. And they were good, and they worked for 30 years uh, until um, Mueller and Colby changed the culture. And that's essentially the subject of my book, the damage that those two men did to the FBI. And it has to be undone, and it can be undone. Culture can be changed. Yeah, the Mueller thing is very interesting. So the book is The Fall of the FBI by Thomas Baker. We appreciate it, Mr. Baker. Thanks for helping us out today. Thank you for listening to the No Spend News Weekend Edition. To watch the full episodes of the No Spin News, visit BillOReilly.com and sign up to become a premium or concierge member. That's BillOReilly.com. Sign-